So, uh, how are you? I'm doing good. You're doing good? How are you doing? Yeah. I'm hanging out. Well, I'm as as all right as I could be. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) I don't even, like, feel even comfortable asking if their housing is secure. (laughs) Asking people if their housing is secure, because it's just like, yeah. it's I'm like, very lucky. <laughs> okay. I mean, I didn't I'm wanna... very lucky to be in a privileged place, especially post a master's degree. Most people come to a flubbering moment of where do we go after this, especially without trying to find jobs and placement. But I'm lucky to have parents with a home yeah. and a roof over my head. Yeah. Are you... I hope uh, you are. I'm, I'm doing okay for now. I, yeah. it, uh, I can't last more than... A limited amount of time, but, but, uh, but yeah, that's not what I wanted to talk about, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, what's it called? Hold on. Welcome to what's my thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we've found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our world view through research and ask what's my thesis. And today, hold on. I've been practicing. My guest is Zaina. Baltagi. 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 Oh. That's, that's the tricky part. The well, G is I, the, there's no accounting for, <laughs> <laughs> for fanciness. Well, uh, no. you're, you're from Lebanon, right? Is that why it's Frenchish? Are, are you, were you guys a French colony? Yeah, so we were colonized by France for sure. Um, Lebanon is. So that's where Baltagi, Zena Baltagi, um, Lebanese, I think. Yeah, Zena. Okay. I think Baltagi is more so Egyptian, from what I've heard. Okay. Yeah. So there's actually two families. Well, Baltagi one, and Baltagi. One of the reasons that you popped up on my radar is because you were talking about um, Middle Eastern privilege, and I get confused more for that than anything else. And I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder because even like my own people don't recognize me. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I was curious about that because I feel like I framed that as like, oh, that's my struggle. But like, I want to understand like what the privilege inherent in that is, you know, instead of just being like, oh, unlucky me. People don't know that I'm well, Hispanic. It's a double edged because it is both a privilege, but at the same time, really disorienting and could give a person somewhat of like a cultural vertigo because um, at this at, at the same token, if I were to, when I go to Lebanon, um, my Arabic is more broken yeah. and I'm definitely very Americanized as being from California. And that's like really prevalent. Um, and then within this space, of course, so I'm, I'm not as either, what it feels like is you're not either welcome within um, a U.S. cultural setting, and you're also not really fully belonging within your own Arab cultural setting. And I can see that relating very closely to, like, the Latino experience. Well, Um, yeah. I mean, I've definitely met people that I've talked to in Spanish, and they were like, oh, no, I speak Farsi. (laughs) And people speak Farsi to me, like, my whole life. And And it was one of those things that because of where I lived, I didn't get exposed to it and didn't get used to it until much later. Sorry, you were, you were laughing at something. I wanted you to. Hear that's that. a huge funny thing because that's like the browning, I suppose, of everything that like creates a lot of erasure, which yeah. is a funny joke that I've said with um, 
which I'm really glad that they received it well, which was a sociology professor. His name was Bruce. His name was Bruce, Bruce Haynes, mm-hmm. uh, Professor Bruce Haynes. Um, and I was making a joke as to like really how I'm perceived racially dependent on where I am. So if I'm in East LA, I'm off, often mostly um, mistaken as Latino, or they just assume are you some kind of something or if I'm in Inglewood they think I'm more so light-skinned um or mixed race black Mm. and mixed mixed race of some sort if I'm in New York I'm I'm perceived as Jewish um so it's all dependent on like your demographic and where you're from but I think it's a natural tendency for people to want to find themselves within you uh, so, oh, you you experience it that way. <laughs> I yeah, experience so it I like, be, like as being externally labeled. I I, I don't yeah. like. I mean, I've experienced. I definitely also get it's the like, Jewish thing, which to me totally is just like is like uh, a, a a random. It's like you know, it's just a generic way of saying like you look Middle Eastern, and I think maybe it maybe when it goes to Jewish, it's like you look a little bit more. Um, I don't know. You have maybe a bigger nose. Yeah, it's it's totally like demographic (laughs) on like also area, which goes into like the segregation of like place and people within certain areas. Um, it seems to be a natural thing, but that's like a part of how you're perceived and how you, who you, how you live and your experiential identity is, it's, they're two varying things. Yeah. Um, and it, that's where the privilege could lie is because as within that like cultural confusion of who are you, where are you from, which is I'm constantly being told, which could be offensive at the same time, um, allows for us to move closer into the construct of whiteness. So much like, uh, the American dream and um, the idea of assimilation, it came to separate essentially the poor immigrants from the black community. So that's where my Mm. mobility and my privilege goes onto the backs and is further separating away from this whole other racial group that is othered. Um, So that's where our privilege could lie. And we have come to, I think there's a choice that we come to when we immigrate here is how much political engagement that we really want to do. Often some of us came out of war and struggle in which we came here to essentially politically disengage. We want to move into our cul-de-sac in our nice neighborhood with a gate and just like not worry about this shit because we escaped it. (laughs) Well, my mom is very, my mom is very much like that because there's, something intrinsic about Cuban culture where it's very much political and uh, right-leaning in a very aggressive way, but reactionary. Mm -hmm. And so she was saying to me that, like, because I am also, I mean, I have that bug mostly in reaction to that culture because I really don't identify with Cubans as much as I identify with like Latin American culture, but that's a culture that has to do with, uh, Spanish colonialism and also the relationship with the United States. So even in that, in the way that I relate to America, I am also very privileged because I associate and relate to people that, uh, are first of all, much darker skin than me in many cases, and also Mm -hmm. don't. and, And even if they're white, uh, passing like myself, they, end up having passports or yes. they're browner than me and they have a passport. So it's that, that's, that's, those are the intersections that really don't get co- covered very often. But yeah, 
But one of the other things that I wanted to touch on is that uh, through the process of being misidentified, I have probably been radicalized <laughs> to, to speak openly about this. And then, and also, it made me realize how prejudiced I was. At, like, I was Islamophobic because it made, yeah. simply because it made me so fucking uncomfortable. And to yeah. some degree, there's a, there's a, 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 a reasonable desire to want to be identified as what you are. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like, uh, I think that my, fa- like, I think that my, my, my grandfather's name was Israel and mm-hmm. my dad, uh, does not want to acknowledge any of like our possible Jewishness because as an immigrant, mm-hmm. he was like, let me pick my fucking battles. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's a part of just self-preservation too. Yeah. Um, and that goes into like the, 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 uh, playing into white supremacy, but for your own safety. And there's yeah. like a gray line there, um, which makes sense for like changing your name from a, like a family changing their name from their Middle yeah. Eastern Muslim name to an American name, like Mohammed becomes Mo. Well, I'm glad it could be Mike or Mo, but my dad chose Mo, <laughs> which I like. Mo. Mo's pretty um, Muslim though. <laughs> still pretty Muslim. Um, but I found this one really says my mother is such a beautiful name. Her name's Iman. Um, but depending on the space that she's in, she goes by Amy, our family yeah. business under, uh, a white man's name. We decided to name our business, Robert, Robert Brown, which is just the whitest male name that we could think of. What kind um, of business is that? If you don't mind me asking. It's a market. It's a marketplace. Okay. Uh, Robert yeah, Brown so, market. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yo, I'd shop there. Fuck it. um well i don't know where was i getting at so something about assimilating your your dad sorry assimilating but also uh which it's it's a fine line where that we that we cross on which is a huge privilege because we even have the capacity to do that um being black you don't get to toe that line of the in-between where you could just change your name um and the exoticization is a little bit different also because it is you you can't like there's like something that white people can do to you which is be impressed by your culture when you've Mm -hmm. traveled it like like from i'm speaking specifically to my personal privilege but i think also like there's a curiosity of like Ooh, you're from Honduras. Let me ask you questions about Honduras to show you how cultured I am, which I think is not a necessarily experience that translate to black people from what I've seen from culture and from exactly. talking to them, which it's is a, a lot. It's, it, it's a different kind of <laughs> fetish, but there's a lot less condescension and a lot more like of that NPRE. I have a beef with NPR, but like that, yeah. that's sort of like, oh, I'm so cultured because I know about the world, but I really don't know about the workings of the world. Yeah. Or they'd be like, oh, you're from Lebanon. Do you speak Lebanese? I'm like, nah, I speak Arabic. But yeah. Um. <laughs> or like, or they'll say, like, can you say a few words? I'm like, what do you want me to tell you in Arabic? Like, it's just like, a, what, how does, you can't understand it because you don't speak it. So it's like, you just want to hear the tongue of my voice speak for some. Yeah. It's just, it's just weird when people ask, like, no, totally. Say this in your language, and I'd like it's sexy. I'm like, no. Nah. And that makes me think of the, yeah, no, totally. And I yeah. actually want to hear you speak French because I think that would be fun. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, 
that would also be colonialist like roots right so but that would be how these white people would react to it like i would want to hear about it because it's like oh yeah i speak spanish and it's fucking mad complicated but they weren't they're like oh you speak french Mm. (laughs) oh speak some creole to me to a haitian you know like (laughs) it's just like fucking yeah you yeah, had, it would be interesting if I wonder if any, like, like someone would have experienced that of speak Creole to me. Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, there's a comedian that uh, I, I, I don't remember the joke, but it was very funny. It's about how uncomfortable his name is something Garcia. He's a Cuban, mm-hmm. which I thought was like, which also was funny. But like how his girlfriend asks him to talk. I'm, I don't know the punchline, so let me. Uh, dissipate that disappointment right up ahead before I explain it. But basically that his, his girlfriend wants to talk about, wants him to talk in Spanish to her. And it's like, he doesn't really know how it feels, how he feels about that, which I totally get. He made it funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that he did it in a funny joke. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a fetishization. Um, and that comes to like of how much they want you to, it's like a, they only accept certain parts of your culture. And it's so also... And that's it's, a part where... Sorry, I, I hope I didn't cut you off, but I just yeah, remembered something that no, I was No, no, you didn't. Um, there's also this, like, dynamic that I've noticed, especially now that you're allowed to talk to white people about sort of the tensions that you've... The racial tensions between you. And, and like, there's sort of, like, a, a cultural onus on them to listen, Right. I don't mm-hmm. know if I used Onus right, but anyway. <laughs> there is a cult a pressure now, yeah. which I'm very happy about. <laughs> but but even then, they'll say shit like, they'll say, they'll parrot things that make you, that, that they say to be, like, okay. I'll hear people tell me, oh, no, you're one of the good ones, right? Which is something that yeah. racist people will say to you. But then progressive mm-hmm. people will say, oh, no, I'm one of the good ones. <laughs> well, and, they're both offensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they both, like, exist in this, like, uh, I'm glad that you, I, I don't, I wouldn't even know how to explain it, but I'm glad that you understood, like, yeah. Well, they're, it's, it's, they're, they're both playing the same game, and it's essentially of, like, I just don't want to be perceived as the bad one. Yeah. So... That's they're operating from a place of, of, I don't know how they want to control how you perceive them. Um, that's a part of like even discussing race and racism, especially coming out of a grad program, is constantly being asked, "Is it me that you're talking about? Am I the racist one?" And I'm like, "No, we're just having a discussion. I'm not like yeah. calling you out personally within this moment. <laughs> like, if I'm going to do that, I'll have that conversation with you. But there's an immediate defense of like not wanting to it to be me." Yeah. as the person like perpetuating it. And but I've definitely it, on the show I've definitely just, sorry, I on the show I've definitely covered a lot of instances, personal instances where those conversations didn't go well, but there are actually have been some that went really well. And I appreciate that. Like, you know, where where someone's like where they've been pushing back and you try to explain to them and they'll say something dumb like, "But you're not even that brown." 
(laughs) And then they're using your privilege. (laughs) They're using your privilege against you, but you're still making a case against racism. (laughs) It's like, what? Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's also like, yo, my family, like, you know, (laughs) this was a familiar, my parents were refugees. There was a familiar disruption, (laughs) you know, like imperialism affects people differently. And I talk about that too, but anyway. Yeah. And we're not going to go through an oppression war here of who's been more oppressed. It's just like silly. Brown Um, people don't do that amongst each other. They they validate it. It's because we know like who is, we get confused as to who is, who is your oppressor. And ultimately it's white supremacy and colonization that affects all of us on some level or another, including white people. Yeah. It's, it's trickle down <laughs> patriarchy, really. Like it is. there's a, there's those people are also the ones or those white people that we were kind of referencing and we're not yeah. like shitting on them. We're just like, it's more about like the cluelessness. They're the yeah. ones that will be like, Oh yeah. Latino machismo. And like even fucking Amy Schumer early first yeah. season of her show, she had a joke where she said, I used to date Latino men, but now I prefer consensual. And it's like, that shit is fucked up. up. Like it's (laughs) deep seated and she's a feminist icon. Right. Like, and so it's just, it's like, and then if you say something about her, you know, Oh, you're just trying to tear down a woman that hangs out with a bunch of white guys. (laughs) I have a huge issue with white people discussing that shit. However, that's a line that like we need to discuss within our own cultures, which yeah. is a fine line that I need to uh, uh, like maneuver because there is machismo. The patriarchy yes. does exist in the Middle East, in Latin America, in like across the globe. Like, yeah. but <laughs> okay, but yeah, and that and machismo. This is true. It's a hundred percent true. Oh, sorry, I, 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 uh, general female <laughs> yeah, general mutilation. <laughs> people always well, ask fucking humor needs to hold her like needs to sit down it's not your place to speak about it um sorry i just got excited and... because the the uh the, the like that the this is like one of my new tirades that fucking npr leads to women white feminists making yeah brown women savages by asking them to con- to um condemn female genital mutilation on like a recurring cycle like uh ilhan omar who i'm not a fan of necessarily just gets asked that shit all the time and she like she goes viral with her fucking response and it just keeps happening and it's like yo that's not fucking like leftist or that's or you know that that may be uh liberal but it's also racist as fuck and so we need to deconstruct the fucking racism in liberalism that's Sorry. the issue I have with liberalism, whether it's liberalism or Republican or whatever, it's it's still racist on either end. I'm on yeah. the boat of anarchy at this point. <laughs> well, like, and- you go full, full anarchy. This whole system is built on racism and capitalism, and there's just no way other than to, like, really dismantle it and reorganize and figure out how to, like, um, build something that's actually more humane um i think that's the huge issue with feminism that throws people off and i have to that's something that i move into as 
a Middle Eastern woman is deconstructing uh, whether machismo or the patriarchy that is relevant is they go, oh, you have to cover your head. You're not allowed to drive in some countries. Um, actually, they, they now revoke that you could drive now in Saudi Arabia as a woman. But um, yeah, well, let's not celebrate that, Saudi Arabia for that. <laughs> it gives the right more fuel for them to criticize you and be like, see, they are barbarian. They treat women like shit. You can't wear a bikini on the beach and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it gives more fuel for the hatred and the racism and puts further target, which is something that I'm very careful with that, yes, it exists. However, in certain, I have to be careful as to how I discuss it, um, because it is something that we do need to dismantle within well, our own culture. Well, you don't, you don't want to uh, even. It, it doesn't even have to be Republicans. You don't want to add to yeah. the imperialist rhetoric, which is what exactly. ma- it, to begin with made me personally Islamophobic to the point where when people started calling me Javi instead of Javi. I fucking started going by my full name because I like, you know, and then I also, I just stuck with it because I like people referring to me as if I was an adult, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, but the fucking, (laughs) yeah, it got a little fucking weird. It's also weird for like white people to just be like, Hey, Javi. And I was like, "Mm, you know, maybe you're not my my friend. (laughs) Yeah. That's like a little, like, you know, you can't say, you can't say Javier. So don't call me Javi, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't uh, know. Well, it added a second target on you. You already have the target of being Cuban and Latino American or Latinx, yeah. um, some sort. But uh, and then to have the target of being Middle Eastern adds just this other layer of having to watch your back, which I yeah. can understand as being overwhelming. Um, I remember post nine 11 and it just, I remember it happened when I was 12 turning 13 and I remember like a significant moment was watching TV and watching so many Sikh Americans getting murdered, um, yeah. at working at gas stations and marketplaces and Sikh Americans are not Muslim. They're not from, they're from India. They uh, just, they just so wear, like, uh, turbans or, or are they the called turban. to- Exactly. So the general turban, regardless of how you wear it, what, why you wear it, it's a target now. Yeah. Um, and that's the part where I could see that fear, especially if you're not from the culture too, you're not equipped with any of the ways of survival skills to like maneuver being Arab American. You were equipped with being, um, Cuban American with what your parents raised you and how to watch your back in that form. So to be perceived in this other form, you're like, I don't know how to watch my back within this perspective. Yeah. It's kind of terrifying. I could see yeah. That. yeah. And it does hurt to like speak Spanish in a place where a lot of there's like, well, Chicano is basically, um, people that are indigenous Mexican, I think. I mean, I'm sorry if I was speaking out of place. I'm just trying to bring it into the conversation. If yes. I speak wrongly, I'm, I apologize. But I think Same. that it has to do with um, having an American identity that is specifically uh, not necessarily Spanish-speaking, but of Mexican descent. If I'm wrong, I apologize. I, that's my understanding of what Chicano okay. is. But like, I think that... Um, you know, all of these identities keep evolving, right? And yeah. and that is that is specifically a claim of like this is what I am, 
It's something new and unique and specific to the experience of this border keep keep uh, border movement, right? Where like I'm actually indigenous from the area, but because I fall into this, uh, you know, on this side of this line, I don't know. You, the, you, I, I think that like there is a generalized idea of what the immigrant experience is. And this is why I appreciate this conversation because I really don't know. I like, I don't know any, uh, Middle Eastern people. I mean, I've known them throughout my life, but presently I don't. And someone who is as interested in this dialogue to have you on the show is very edifying because it helps me sort of understand how I'm being perceived, but also like how, um, how not to overstep my bounds just because I'm misperceived. Same. I mean, I constantly check myself too. It's it's a part of the process and I'll make mistakes as I go. Um, for sure. So yeah. did you grow up, <laughs> did you, what's, what's your full on background? And actually I haven't asked you, did you have a topic? I just, we, I mean, we just went off. Well, my topic thesis was essentially about mobility and walking, um, which addresses the racial construct and everything we're actually talking about. So go, um, so, uh, uh, bring it, tie it into that then. Okay. Um, <sighs> I mean, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never really done a podcast interview. <laughs> That's fine. You're doing great. The, I mean, this okay, show is cool. dumb. It's like dumb but smart, so you're fine. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate this conversation. Um, I actually had a, a point of conversation, a, a thought that I would love to discuss was yeah. the teaching of the terms that we refer to ourselves with, mm-hmm. which you could see within like uh, the movement of whether you refer to yourself as Latino or Chicano or Chicanx and like the changing of, of the label oh. of the identity. And I wonder if, and I thought about it a lot, especially with myself um referring as middle eastern and how that's been changed and now we're referring ourselves to uh swana with a southwest asian north african which i'm appreciating because it's more inclusive to essentially the whole of that of of the identity and middle east refers as from the west so you have the east to the west um and i wonder it's because the terms continue to get colonized uh Mm -hmm. so and I wonder if that's the case as well within those terms is of like, at some point, Latino is like maybe liberalized, colonized, and then Chicano oh, became a place of identifying. I'm not sure. I'm just. Well, I, I mean, you, I think that you're hitting on something. I can't speak to the Chicano thing, but I 100% yeah. I, I, uh, I do not appreciate for me. Okay. I'll start like this so that it's not offensive. For mm-hmm. me, when you change before Christ to before common era, you are normalizing Christianity. You're not rebelling against it. You may think mm-hmm. you are, but what you're saying is that the common era is the period after Christ was born. So mm-hmm. you may think that this is like some some academic like fucking revolution. It's like uh, I I don't want to say that her story and history is dumb. But it kind of is mm-hmm. because history comes from historia, which is mm-hmm. has nothing to do with male or female. But mm-hmm. I don't want to disparage that. 
I do think that this other situation is a little fucking dumb, right? Like BCE. So, yeah. Um, what were we just talking about that I started talking well, about BCE? <laughs> I was talking about like the shifting of how we label ourselves. Or oh, Latinx. Latinx yeah, is a yeah. fucking is white people. Latinx yeah. is okay. There is a, a colonial culture whose language is gendered in a way that has absolutely nothing to fucking mm-hmm. do with masculinity or femininity if you really break it down. Like, uh, el agua. <laughs> La agua. Like, if, yeah. you know, just because it's, it's, it's a... It's an erasure. It's an erasure of the way that people speak. You, instead, yeah. and it's lazy because instead of acknowledging that the fucking problem is that you have a whole uh, part of America subdivided and subjugated and called the backyard of America, and you just mm-hmm. like you do this gender thing f- to represent. I mean, I have a lot of respect for transgender people. I have non-binary. I've had non-binary people on the show. I don't know any transgender. I'm. I want to talk to them about this. So, I don't mean to exclude any from the anyone from this particular conversation. But I think that the idea of, um, of Latinx comes from a very similar place. Where instead of like, hey, why don't we come up with words and new pronouns like we do in English for Spanish? Mm-hmm. We're just gonna fucking erase everything and lump everyone into one thing. And and um, now and now everybody, but now everybody's non-binary, or now mm-hmm. everybody, or if you don't like, if I still call myself Latino, that's a political statement, right? Where I am fucking Latino, so like, mm. uh, I don't like that term for other reasons. Why don't we come up with like, hey, South American? Ooh, that's also subjugating because we're not American. So like, mm-hmm. you, you know, like my problems with Latino are not whether it includes binary. And that comes from that same thing that we were talking about, that uh, fighting against machismo in Latin America without actually addressing like, yo, these people <laughs> were colonized by Spanish. They're not fucking yeah. racist because they call themselves Latino. They don't even call themselves Latino. You call no, them that, exactly. you know. Indigenous people actually were very much so... Um, more in tune with gender fluidity like they came with the patriarchy and colonization and latino erases them as a term latino erases them because they're yes. there's they have no hispanic heritage so that's my problem with latinx saying it's the same it's the same kind of thinking with before common era it's this academic secularizing of things that just or, or just like whitewashing through like it's it's essentially, it's essentially fascism yeah, well, the, well, do you think that still language could always evolve? You could create language as much as you want. Like, you could create words as much as we want as well. Yeah. You could always add. Rather, you don't have to remove, but you could always add. And um, you don't have to, like, na- so okay, well, Latino. You, I, I, I see that there's, could be, there is a place for Latinx, um, but I don't see how it's offensive to be also refer yourself as Latino, especially if you do claim as a cis straight male, then I would rather you not try and fool me and pretend that you're not just identify as to who you are. There's no offense in just being who you are. There's My a big problem- fear as well as amongst white people as if like 
fighting for black lives somehow like is as if fighting against white folks and you're like no that's not how this no, is no, no, no. that's but, only but what you do my my <laughs> problem with the term is not that it's not my my problem with the term is that it is a more is it it is like hey let's generalize this experience even more so than we've generalized i'm latino but most of my brethren from cuba are republicans and so we get lumped in with this terminology. Now we're Latinx, and that completely erases how Republican people are, right? Mm-hmm. And then to state, and then to state that you are Latino because that's how you identify becomes an aggressive term. The same way, you know, like everything gets politicized by this process. And I don't think that I don't think that the people that are behind, uh, I don't think, like for example. I will refer to you as Latinx if that's your thing. But yeah. but as an academic to just use that as a fucking catch-all term instead of finding a better term? It's the same. I don't, I'm not sure who created the, the term uh, people of color. Mm-hmm. But I don't know any moment in history where being, collared, col- co- being called colored was a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as far as I know, it's always generally not a good thing if... if to be called colored and it's so um i understand why it's there but basically the what is people of color it's everyone that's not white yeah but like essentially you don't have to bother with figuring out that i'm lebanese anymore you don't have to fogger bother figuring out who you are and where you're from your subjugation becomes a race and you just become you just become a person of color you just become other it's just like the algorithm of brownness (laughs) just Mm -hmm. um of like this kind of merging but the it's interesting because at that same time, the color line is still relevant and how lighter you are to darker you are could equate to opportunity and real consequence. Um, but on that note of language, yeah, it's uh, constantly questioning um, these terms as they come into popularity. Yeah, I mean, so it's, I think, there, I yeah, mean, POC that, is something I've definitely I'm very timid with using. Um, well, you know, there's there's here's one thing that is amazing of how, uh, you know, how like one of the things that I think the black community has done that's amazing is defining racism against blackness as anti-blackness, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Unfortunately, I don't think that there is such a homogenous, like, yes, there's anti-indigenousness or anti-indigenous or uh, racism towards indigenous people. And then there is racism towards uh, people that are just Hispanic, but are also white passing. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's different levels. And then there's different kinds of, yeah. Yeah. And so, so for me, like like I said, POC, Latinx, it's like, oh, you know what? We're being sensitive. We're including everybody in this thing. And it's like, we're not really fucking working to think about anything. I You're not solving anything at all. You're just pointing and, at and again, like, and again, broad 
It, it has to do with how you apply the term Latinx. My problem is not intrinsically with Latinx. My problem is yes. to speak is for like the news organizations. And for all of those, like I think there's a process of erasure that comes with that. And it's, and it's academic in spirit and it comes from the same place that uh, Karenism comes from. Hmm. Where it's like well-intentioned, but then, you know, and, and people say things like, I love to say this about that Amy Cooper woman, that um, mm -hmm. that there's no doubt in my mind that that woman has said to people, I will never know what it's like to be a black woman and then still called the cops and weaponized her white womanhood because I know that white women that are progressive do that shit. Oh, yeah. What, what's going no, on? In, uh, there's there's, I, a, I, I, there's, I there's a bunch plenty. of noise in the background. Yes, I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, I just wanted to get a clean, get you to say your thing clean. Go ahead. It's just going to happen. It looks okay. like they just decided to weed whack right now. <laughs> no, but there was, a, there was a, a, a peak that really fucking drowned you out. Go ahead. Uh, what was I saying? I don't know. I can, hold Karen. on. I can go back. Oh, yeah, Karen. Yeah, what were we talking about? The Karen term. Oh, uh, uh, that that Karens well, use to say things like. For it. There's a reason for the Karen term to come about. Is that there's a behavior that's constantly unchecked. Um, so the essentially you created a name for it. Mm. Um, people created a name for it, so it makes sense as to why it exists. Because you generally, when there is a problem that affects people in a real way, you need to name it of some sort. And it just happened to be the name of Karen. It could yeah. have been any name. It could have been Jane. I think it came from black Twitter. If, if yeah. I, if my it's, etymology is correct. I mean, generally, um, well, black folks have to deal with this in a very real way on a daily basis, more so than anyone else. So yeah. of course it would make sense that, but but what I think that that what I think that doesn't get covered, and I think that that's where we got sidetracked. But uh, what I think that doesn't get covered is that Amy Cooper's are not, or sorry, Karens are not just yeah. fucking racist white supremacist women. They are white supremacists without yeah. w while they think that they're progressive. They are the people that perpetuate ideas because like, oh, you know, like they, they have well-intentioned uh, pushes to reform and fix history like BCE, yeah. but ultimately they're fucking racist because their it's privilege the comes shit. from. Yeah. yeah. So, so as well-intentioned as it is, there it betrays their racism as they continue to try to fucking do it and they do it because they're aware of their white privilege like that mm -hmm. woman knows about her white privilege which is why she weaponized it i'm talking about amy cooper course, specifically you know yes and the thing is is that those amy the amy coopers the karens those people are elementary school teachers so those are the 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 children the teachers that are teaching your young kids so they yeah. have to go to school and learn from these karens and these amy coopers of the world the well-intentioned elementary school teacher that like tries to teach like um from a more global perspective and mostly a fetishization of culture and they're the same teacher that's try to think that they're creating an inclusive classroom but still call you up to the front every time you write a paper and question whether you plagiarized it as a as a person that's like arab or black or latino yeah. um that's something that i've had constantly from like 
um, a lot of teachers and I never understood it until I was older. I was all like, that was racism. But my little third grade brain couldn't figure out why this was happening. Holy shit. That's actually <laughs> you know? not something I relate to that. That's fucking intense. But I went to school with a lot of Cubans, special. though. <laughs> <laughs> I went to school. Okay, I grew up in Stockton, California. Okay. So Stockton is in Northern California, and it's kind of like it's it's actually quite diverse cityish town. Um, but there's enclaves of like very Republican white people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I relate to that. A huge Filipino community, huge black community, Middle Eastern community. So we kind of, there is actually like more of diversity in that way, um, except like a lot of extreme too. So there's a lot of extreme whiteness within that space. Um, but I don't know, Stockton is its own place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, I think my point is, is that like anyone could be a Karen. I could be a Karen myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's where, like, the privilege could lie there is that, like, I definitely have heard family members go, I want to speak to your manager and try and, like, create that power dynamic of, like, yeah. although at the same time as, like, Arabs, like, we don't really have that much power within it, but it doesn't mean we don't try. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think that most people are capable of it. And if you had that privilege, I don't know if, like, um, most people are better than that to not use it. Um, I mean, then Amy Cooper, yes, but I get what you're saying. I like, I mean, that shit was pretty extreme. We just don't have, yeah, that's extreme. But like at the same time, we just don't have that power in like real time as like a white woman, but we still have somewhat of that because within like, you know, the, the scale of, of closer to whiteness <laughs> or not. Um, well, I mean, I don't think it's how much you can leverage that privileged power and how much carrying you could do I th- as, a, I as think, a verb. I think, uh, I think that there's also like class that factors in, right? Totally. And I think that that is again, one of those things where I do like what you were saying because I was being harsh on her, but I also think that you are, you are a hundred percent right. I especially I need to fucking be careful because I'm trying to become more of a public person. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows what, what the fuck I've done and said in my lifetime that may come back to haunt me? I don't really think I've done anything that horrible, but I've not always been a good person. <laughs> I don't think that it's whether you're a good person or not. It's just that like you can't help like we've lived in this thing, and you can't help but it seep into you. It's like we're subjugated to it. No, so it's like I, no matter I, how hard you try to avoid being not being racist, believe me, racism has somehow seeped into you. <laughs> no, I, I'm not I even know. talking about racism yeah. in terms of being a bad person. Like I legit yeah. have been a less better person than I am now. <laughs> and and in, and in terms of like, uh, I mean, and that's only because I've worked at it, not because I'm like better now <laughs> through like I've done a lot of therapy so I like myself a lot better than I used to but but I think that like it's fair to like also I think that there is uh I'm going to be very careful with how I use the word mob 
because obviously the, it's a very triggering word over here. But the idea mm-hmm. of a mob it has a lot to do with also industrialization and first, you know, the, t- the like the first times that huge masses of body were were able to concentrate, right? Like that was a turning point in history. And I think that the huge masses of people that can ideologically cancel people is definitely a hundred percent a problem. And I, uh, you know, specifically talking about is Amy canceling Co- people really a problem. Well, I think that like, no, I'm also not on Twitter. So I, I, I no, actually, I'm literally I'll tell, never I'll t- I don't think so that, I think that there's a little context. No, I think that yeah. that's a fair question. And again, I really appreciate you keeping me in check, but because it's, yeah. you're asking good questions. So I think that in terms of, there's a there's a big thing where people in power, people that like for example Barry Weiss just re- mm-hmm. resigned from the New York Times. She's a fucking pro-Israel, uh, um, like pro-mass slaughter of Palestinians kind Basically of person. A fascist. Okay. It, essentially, yeah, no, no, one hundred percent. There, I mean, yeah. we can we can get into the irony. I don't know if we necessarily yeah. need to get into it, but it is and ironic. It's another political discussion. It's well. another political discussion. Yeah. But I do think that there is something to be said that, um, you know, fascism is not necessarily always anti-Semitic. Yeah. So cool. uh, um, I, I think that, like, people like Barry Weiss and all of that, when they think of cancel culture... And what she wrote, I didn't read it all, but I saw reporting on it from people that I like uh, that are a little bit more to the left. So when that person argues about cancel culture, I think that's a problem. My problem with cancel culture is when you cancel Alex Jones. My problem with cancel culture is when you imprison Julian Assange because, oh, he got Trump elected or whatever the fuck the narrative is, which is completely 100% not true. Roger Stone is a fucking liar, piece of shit mm-hmm. that wants to aggrandize himself. And that's his entire history. He takes credit for flipping the, um, the, the push against the vote count in Florida. Like, mm-hmm. so I definitely think that there is a lot of hype about cancel culture. But I think that, you know, yes, it's horrible that this motherfucker was denying that or was questioning whether or not Sandy Hook actually happened. But if we're really, like, truly talking about free speech, you know, deplatforming is problematic as fuck. Yeah, I think that there's some much more violent things that are happening more so than cancel culture. The erasure of stories, the erasure of full-blown, like, so many people. Um, There is a much more violent erasure of, like, history that's happening around us that goes beyond what cancel culture is doing. Um, It sounds like it's a bunch of people with their feelings hurt, really, for the most part. Like... um, but the most effective well, I think way plays... to actually cancel someone, I suppose, would be to hit their wallets. Is that kind of is that the cancel cultures that you're speaking of? Is like people are losing their jobs, they're losing their income. Um, well, journalists for sure, yeah, yeah. No, I and, um, and, and well, I, I, but 
I want to touch real quick on, on what I'm like, cause that's one yeah. of the things that I was talking with my mom is like, my mom is, is, you know, she, yeah. she would rather disconnect from these things, but it fucking mm-hmm. matters when you cancel someone because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this, these are political cancellations, like specifically Julian Assange exposed what the fuck the empire was doing. And that's why they're mm-hmm. trying to hurt him and kill him essentially through make and, and through making him going fucking insane through uh, isolation and stuff like that. So yeah. I do think that that is an important erasure of things. And I think mm-hmm. it comes from a Karen driven cancel culture. Yeah. People that say things like, I don't know what it's like to be black. And then they cancel people that say things like, for example, the letter that, uh, what's his name? Noam Chomsky, who, it, you know, has been accused of some plagiarism, but is actually, for the most part, pretty on point about how our society works. Yeah, um, I think it's important to notate that you could you could cancel someone out of your head. That's something that my my dad tells me. If someone very bothers you, Zana, just just press delete. Just be like delete. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which I I. I've done myself where I was like, I'm just going to press delete on that right there. Um, but the thing is within that is it doesn't mean that it can no longer affect me. I could cancel yeah. it out of my like emotional sphere and pretend it no longer exists, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's still there. Um, but to, but to, so, but to suppress it entirely is fascism is my point. Totally. So that's the part where you can't, um, you can't actually cancel something out completely or someone out completely. Um, even with ideas, they spread. I, yeah. I, ideology spreads and ideas spread. So how can you really press delete and cancel? I can only do that within on, on a micro level. Like I could check out and I've literally never had Twitter. Um, that's something that I choose not to. I will find other various resources of getting my news and getting information. But, like, um, it doesn't mean it's no longer there. It could still affect me. There's still things happening around it. And I'm still hearing conversation based off of what's happening off of Twitter. So mm-hmm. it's still, I don't know, it doesn't, it, you can't really cancel fully. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, no, but I think, but, okay, yeah, and I totally get that uh, because you're right, 100%. Yeah. Alex Jones probably became more popular and he has more fervent listeners. So now it's become a marginalized, uh, subversive thing that people maybe identify with even more. So you're right. Ooh. You're 100%. Exponential growth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also think that it, I think that the point that I am more concerned with, and, and I know that you are aware of this, I'm not like, yeah. I don't want to sound mm-hmm. like I'm condescending, but I'm really concerned about fascism coming from people who purport to be on the left. And it's been happening for a very long time. And you know this because you are Middle Eastern. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, fucking the violence in the war that gets, like, going back to... No, you're not, I it mean, comes from the left as well. I mean... Yeah, exactly. Like, you know... I mean, whether Obama, Bush, or Trump, like, the Middle Obama East is continuously more. screwed, regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the part where whether liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, they're just um, it's the same system that harms us. Yeah. Well, it's um, white supremacy, both. 
it's they're both they're both playing to white supremacy. Same with feminism within itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have issue with, but I've I've read quite a few of more like uh, like Audre Lorde uh, and other feminist writer um, writers like Roxane Gay and such that are more inclusive and more uh, forward thinking. So it's not like this white female feminism. Yeah. Um, that is very much so still based within white supremacy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, suffrage but, was, so was, it's like, yeah, but I guess I'm just anarchy over here. We need to go like, I don't know, full left. What did it, I just, can I can yeah. I can I tell can I can I tell you what I think about what's interesting the whole voting about voting process too is also it feels like either way I'm stabbing myself regardless of who I vote for I'm it doesn't feel like you stabbed. can hear me that well oh so sorry I can, can hear you oh, okay <laughs> yeah can you so, hear me yeah yeah I can hear you uh, okay. uh, so um, do you know have you have you heard the term uh, anarcho capitalism or or yeah uh, anarcho capitalism uh-huh. It's essential. Okay, so uh, essentially, communism and uh, anarchy are like let's call them cousins. They're they're close mm-hmm. relatives. They tend to, which is why you alluded to anarchy being mm-hmm. uh, leftist, right? It's, yeah, it seems it, like the opposite, right? I might be using it wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. You no, you've got it. You've got it a hundred percent right. The the reason yeah. I, I thought about this. So anarcho capitalism is so capitalism starts in the industrial revolution, right? Before mm-hmm. that, it's free market uh, trade and whatnot. So mm-hmm. anarcho capitalism is essentially what all of the people in power are looking for us to go towards, which is mm-hmm. no centralized police force, all privatized police force. Right now I live in a neighborhood mm-hmm. that doesn't have its own police department, as far mm-hmm. as I can tell. It's patrolled by GSSI. You guys can look into GSSI. It's a private security firm. And it is a problem because essentially you have security guards with the authority to run around like a police department. And we've already seen how that goes with police departments. So, but okay. So a lot of all of this white supremacist pro-capitalist bullshit that's happening is anarcho-capitalism. It is anarchy under a capitalist spin. Mm. And, it is, and here's one of the distinctions that's interesting, because ultimately, anarchy and communism, like, people always say that China is a communist society, they're wrong. It's a communist state. A communist state is a state that is, that ha, that is run, or sorry, a communist state is a, commun, it was a, is a socialist state run by a communist party. Whereas a communist society is stateless. There is no country. Mm. So that's how it ties in so closely to anarchy, which is also stateless. Mm. Now, while we're fucking doing all this corporate socialism, we're going towards this anarcho-capitalism, which is also stateless. Mm. So 
it's fucking weird because right now the government is not doing anything for us. I see. Yeah. I hear you typing. What did you pull up? I'm literally <laughs> just looking up narco capitalism. <laughs> it's I'm fucking crazy. It down so I could like read further about yeah, it. Yeah, it's fucking I need crazy. No, so corporate socialism going towards narco capitalism. Yeah, I mean that's all me putting I'm like things together. Like just but writing these... this down. I was like, this is a good breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> but these are these are these are things that are fucking happening that like yeah. you know that 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 white liberal Karen lifestyle does not allow for because to really understand the fucking horrors of what we do and what white privilege. So when we talk about privilege, when you and I talk about privilege, we understand that we're talking about our privilege to get out of where we're, where people are being bombed, where people yeah. are being starved, right? Yeah. Because we come yeah. from places that have suffered against the empire and tried to resist the empire and have been fucking major players in geopolitics, <laughs> right? Exactly. Cuba, yeah, Cuba yeah. with the missiles, you guys yeah. with the Middle East. <laughs> yep. And, and uh, I don't mean to alarm you, but one of the reasons that I am against Biden is because there is one country that is not that was on a list that Wesley Clark talked about that uh, before, like during the Bush years, and all of those countries, all those seven, uh, eight countries, we have invaded except for Lebanon, and yeah. I didn't know you were Lebanese until. Yeah, <laughs> but that's. But we brought back slavery. I'm gonna yes. hit this every fucking week. We mm-hmm. brought back slavery to Libya, to we Africa. Did. It did not exist in the modern era until we destabilized it with Hillary Clinton and mm-hmm. Barack Obama. Hillary Clinton's Secretary of State. First fucking term, this motherfucker ran against war. First fucking term. That's his, that his, is his legacy. Yeah, so, you know, the, it's, uh, the rubber plantations as well go all the way back to plantations in the South, slavery. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You could put Firestone tires. Um, every all the tires that are on our cars that mobilize us is through slavery. Really? Yeah, still exists. That violence is still in the material that we use every day. What countries was that in? Is that <sighs> Libya, or is that? Am I wrong about Libya? I think Libya. Oh, okay, so this is yeah. recent, or how long has that been going on? Well, since the plantation era. Um, Okay. Uh, but it has continued uninterrupted. Okay. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Still created a huge genocide massacre as well. Um, Liberia. No, oh, not Libya. Not Libya. Liberia. <laughs> okay, so it's where's Liberia? We just went. We just got all offensive. We got offensive within ourselves as well. Um, no, it's it's, it's good to be made sure. Graphics, we... but it's good to like be very specific. Yeah. So essentially, Firestone We're... tires needed. Uh, they needed a forest to create rubber trees and rubber plantations. So uh, they sent essentially a group of African slaves from the plantation to go back to Africa and they went to Liberia and created like this whole area within Liberia that they purchased at like, I think it was like 10 cents an acre. Um, they made it go up, but I think it was like even less cents an acre and a ridiculously cheap amount for over a hundred years. They're still in contract. 
Um, and the contract then got, uh, was up for canceling. It became a hundred years. Um, I need to find the article. I can't find the article. No, it's okay. It's right. Um, I mean, you saw how off off the fucking top of the dome I was going. Yeah. It's just off the top of my head of what I've, I've read into Firestone rubber tires. Um, in which the contract was up for renegotiation and they purchased it for a whole nother hundred years. So the contract is still there in which, um, Firestone and the plantation still owns parts of Libya and is still using like slave labor and their blood and sweat to like, which is very hard work to like seep these rubber trees and keep this work going. Jesus. Um, So, well, okay. So I guess, I guess the good news is that it wasn't Obama that brought back slavery to the African continent. He just brought it to Libya and now a bunch of Nigerians are getting (laughs) fucked. The West and, uh, yeah, so create, we, essentially slavery, um, people here, but also white, white folks also created slavery in Africa in order to mine the shit that they want. It's all just a capitalist thing of, of well, something that they want. So yeah. just like they wanted the oil, they wanted labor and that in Venezuela, it's all mineral deposits. Bolivia, they just had a fucking coup. <laughs> yeah. And like, how many fucking coup? Oh, my God. These fucking Latinos, they're so incapable of running their own governments. I mean, Jesus Christ, when are they going to give up that socialism bullshit? Well, the government's corrupt across the board. <laughs> I was being that. sarcastic. <laughs> no, but there's corruption in Lebanon as well. Yeah. But, um, who, but who is the influence of that corruption? Who who corrupts these countries? It's the right. fucking USA. It's the fucking. Yeah. It's the international empire. It's the fucking. It's the Wall Street. It's the extraction industry. Yeah, well, what we do on a micro level and the micro erasures that we do for ourselves in order for us to like get the opportunities as we like navigate closer to whiteness. The same thing happens on like a global scale. Yeah, thinking that it would benefit you, but in the end, you're just you're laying in bed with the enemy. <laughs> Well, and and it's not even racial because it's literally a class thing that that it gets disguised that is like it's it it gets hidden under the the shadow of racism. But in reality, they there was a crack epidemic. There's the uh, opioid epidemic. Like they got no That's respect capitalism. for poor people. They got no. no respect. Doctors, motherfucking doctors, who historically have not been the most ethical people. They used to fucking grave rob and fucking do weird shit and yeah. do lobotomies yeah. and stuff like that. We treat them like they're fucking holy because we pay them too much in this country. They, you know? I have a couple friends that, like, um, n- native uh, uh, indigenous tribes uh, here in the States. And which oh, I'd love to have them on the show. Reco- they've been they've been recommended to get full blown like uh, like hysterectomies, essentially, to remove their entire insides. Um, Why is that? So, to, so they can't reproduce? Exactly. Jesus. Exactly. So there is an actual like um, 
on a doctor level that in which it happens to a lot of black folks and it happens to a lot of indigenous folks and women where they go into places for basic pap smear and they'll mm. say, Oh, you have to remove, you have to, you have to get your, all your ovaries removed. What the <laughs> like, fuck? Full Yo. blown, like, and, and so that shit happens for reals where here's the problem um, with the Hippocratic oath. <laughs> okay. Here's like legit. Because it's evidenced by fucking the Nazis is that you can rationalize that you're doing good by doing harm. Yeah. And that's how Fauci rationalized that it made sense to tell people and the CDC rationalized that it made sense to tell people that they shouldn't wear fucking masks because they didn't explain it. And then now there's this whole cultural fucking argument and it's like no one blames the smart people that fucking started it, right? (laughs) Because I don't believe a fucking word the CDC says anymore. All I'm doing is just not leaving the house. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'll just not leave the house for a while. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) That's a huge, that's a big issue though is when like... Real human medical, uh, there's huge consequences to this whole cultural conversation. Yeah. Um, and this whole racial conversation, it, in the end, it's resulting in really in real consequences of who gets to live and who gets to die. And it's just the whole notion of like opening up the country. It's just, oh, yeah. Who will that harm? It will kill the poor who have to continue going to work because. It's a class. It's a class system, um, and for the most part, uh, the people that could stay at home and have health insurance are less at risk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's definitely it's 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 class is a huge part of it, and we can't really address race as, without addressing class. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I really appreciate. Seriously, we have plenty more to talk about. And you are going to be invited back. You're a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having the conversation. No, this was fucking so much fun. This is yeah. how I'm surviving. I don't leave the house and I Skype <laughs> with motherfuckers. Actually, I can I ask you real quick, just out of curious, personal curiosity, <laughs> yeah. and because I just devised the perfect question to ask women what age they are, is what generation are you? I think I'm a millennial. Okay. So you were born before 80? Yes, I'm in... Or after 80, after 80. Yeah, so, yeah, 88. Okay. So, I mean, I no, didn't grow up with a cell phone in my pocket, per se, but I did get to the smartphone by the time I was in my 20s, so I think that makes me millennial, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, had AOL and... You had you know, AIM. AIM. <laughs> yeah. You had AIM when you were too young to have uh, to sext before sexting was called sexting, and it was yeah. called cyber sex. <laughs> so I'm definitely of the generation before sexting was a thing. <laughs> so I'm of the generation right before that, yeah. where we burned CDs off of LimeWire and we aimed each other. <gasps> so you were a thief, <laughs> stealing from the man, fucking rebel. All right, well... <laughs> it it is it has been so much fun. I literally did not realize that I scheduled four 
recordings this week, and I'm so excited because I have been so lonely. (laughs) 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 And at this point, I'm very confident in my ability to pick people that I want to talk to because, yeah, I've been kidding. I've been looking for uh, producer jobs. And one of the things that made me laugh was that one of the requirements or one of the like things that they need you to be able to do is uh, is to be able to vet topics. And I'm like, vet topics, motherfucker. I make every topic work. Yeah, you got this. <laughs> you're really you're well on your way. <laughs> I'm going to be a fucking bajillionaire that pays other artists. I'm like a, <laughs> an industrialist. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I understand that I'm not <laughs> a capitalist until I have capital and I'm on my way. <laughs> anyway, I really... That's what re- my mom's working on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm fucking broke. <laughs> I am. It's all aspirational. The only reason why I'm in the humanities is because she... She worked her ass off in a capitalist scheme for me to be able to be an artist, which yeah. I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah, and then they also got lied to because my mom is also and my dad are also immigrants, and they were like, "Yeah, you'll just be, uh, you know, a teacher. It'll be great. You'll have three months off out of the year." And then like everybody's dad said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you have stuff you want to promote? Um. Uh... If you want to find me on Instagram, which... It's a good Instagram, good resource, and also for just getting someone's personality while they promote stuff. A lot of these things are just meme reposting. You get get a sense of of you. Yeah, so I think you could get my personality off of Instagram. If you want to look up my actual, my artwork and the rest of my work, I have a website. It's... uh, www.zeinabaltagi.com And it's Zena Baltagi. Yes. (laughs) And let me say your name correctly, because it is actually important. Um, Now that I'm older, I'm much more specific about my name as my cultural marker and it being important that you say it Uh and not nickname it into Zena. Um, but yeah, let me have your Proenza. Yes, thank you very much. Awesome. I actually, uh, most of the time, intentionally fuck up white people's names. Oh yeah, I do. Because <laughs> because no, on the show as as course of order, it's like a little bit of a of a test. And I and and when people get mad, I'm like they they'll like message me afterwards, and I'm like. Mm. I'm not getting invited back. You don't get it. Because <laughs> 100%, 100%, I'm going to fuck up people whose names are difficult or less yeah. less uh, mainstreamed eyes or anglicized or yeah. imperialized. Then, so I might as well even it out. And also, it, yeah. I'm also lazy. <laughs> All right. And you know what? Comedy. It just bring some fun. All right. <laughs> and I'm also, dude, I'm 100% a troll. <laughs> yeah. Cultural troll. Uh, I troll my people, the ones that should agree with me more than I troll the other side. And I feel like that is my safe space because there aren't a lot of Republican artists. Mm, but they are. They're in the, they may be in the closet right now. But, oh, no, um, there are, but they pretend to be liberal, and that's why I they pre- they're, 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 they're liberals. Um, <laughs> they're, they're conservative, but in, in liberal clothes. They so. like gay people, but hate poor people. Exactly. 
They're only like like the really cool gay folks that like are art directors and run the gallery. They're cool with those gay folks. They're yeah. not like the poor gay folks. Oh my goodness. I <laughs> I rip into culture war uh, because I got friends on, or I got people I don't want to claim them as friends after I say while I say something politically offensive but um, yeah no I really appreciate the people that I have on the show because yeah. they're not just like oh yeah the culture is going in the right way because it favors <laughs> us uh, yeah yeah well yeah I we could just we could talk for hours this conversation is going pretty well but um <laughs> yeah it's a part it's part of the art world a part of being a careerist i i can see a fear across the board amongst all white people right now of like where's my place in the art world um yeah. and like thinking they're like yeah uh there's going to be a lot of over performances that are going to come about so those should be fun we'll keep a lookout you know oh my goodness <laughs> I have become, oh. I have gone from being not popular with my white friends to being super popular. Yeah, same. <laughs> so, same. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and, yeah. And the opposite, and it goes the other direction, too. What? Sure. That, that... Where you were once cool, and then they're like, oh, I didn't know you were such, you had, like. Oh, no, I don't hang out with those white people. Yeah. <laughs> I call those white people Cubans. <laughs> All right. Uh, that, yeah. I mean, those were, those are the only white people of that ilk that I would meet are Cubans. Uh, I mean, in L.A., yes. I only meet the fucking white dudes from Michigan that resent all of their... I mean, I, I've had some white dudes from Michigan on this show that turned to evil a couple. You know, I, it's also good not to cancel people out completely. I made this one friend with a neighbor because I went to UC Davis, and Davis is a very white neighborhood uh, for my master's degree. And I had a neighbor and straight up voted for Trump. And uh, towards the end, while I was living there, you know, just I just I just human friendly um, as my neighbor. But through everything that's happening around him, he literally, and I'm myself, I'm not going to, I know who you are, you know who I am, mm-hmm. <laughs> and where I stand. And he approached me, he's like, I think I need to have more conversation around race. And it was a labor that I didn't really want to put in, but I knew that there was a person here that was really wanting to like learn more and expand that. And now they've changed. They canvassed um that's and, beautiful. Uh, they canvassed Black Lives Matters posters around all of the white suburbs with me um, and went to protest. And I was like, you know what you could do as a white man, because you are a young white male, is put yourself, go to the protest, because I can't do it, but put yourself, go to the protest and put yourself in between the police and other people that are protesting, because they won't yeah. harm you like they will harm brown and black folks that are in the protests. And he did that. And I was all like, right on. So that's where cancel culture then doesn't allow people to like change and grow. So. Oh, yeah. No, I actually am very much into that guy because I think yeah. that I, I think that I think that there's <laughs> that guy was a cool guy. <laughs> no, but I, I, I don't but. think that I think that there are people that are in the art world that aren't that guy. You know, yeah. that are that. that I, and, and I think the reason that I bring up the guys from Michigan that I know that have been on the show. 
Uh, it's cryptic as fuck. <laughs> well, that's the danger of liberalism. No, but I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm throwing shade. I'm throwing cryptic shade. I'm throwing cryptic shade at these guys. But my problem is that those guys would not give that guy the time of day. You yeah. know, because it's that resentment from where you come from and it's that shame. Whereas he talked to you and it was, and, and, and yes, he did ask you to do work. But yes. he was willing to do the work himself, whereas yeah. the guys that I'm talking about who resent this gentleman uh, mm-hmm. were defensive and were, yeah. like, <laughs> and were like, please don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, they're the folks that want to have a conversation about race, but at the same time, every few seconds ask you, "Is are you talking about me? Am I the yeah, racist yeah, one? Yeah. I'm all like, this is getting annoying. We're not really having a conversation here. Because every single thing I say, you're going to wonder whether it's you and then whether I'm attacking you personally. When I was talking to the neighbor, it's already known, voted for Trump, was really straightforward. I preferred that guy a little more because that guy was like – from a place of I don't know, which is a much healthier and easier place to work with versus a place of I know everything, which is what liberal folks do of like, well, I, like oh, I already know that. <laughs> I also know uh, Mexicans and Latinos. I mean, I'm sure I know Cubans that I yeah. haven't talked to in a while that voted for Trump. So I understand. Okay. I, I'm a little bit more sympathetic to that, especially because in a lot of cases, like, even though, you know, like I hate the people that would condescend to those people and tell them that they're voting against their all in their own interest because like who the fuck isn't who literally all, is all, not all of us are voting against our interest whether we vote for Biden or Trump it's against our interest regardless and, um, and but between I can you understand and me why I can understand why the white guy voted for Trump I understand why why Mexicans voted for Trump and Arabs from a class space in which they may have thought like there is no jobs racism and the racial construct will always work against them. They already know that they're going to be voting for a racist. Um, So they're hoping that like at least the class system could like favor them in some form. And then in the end they they realize, oh shit. Or they appreciate the overtness of the racism as opposed to having people fucking pretend to suck their dick and then piss on them. Exactly. At least it's clear. (laughs) At least it's clear. Sorry for the vulgarity. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and some of it is religious. Some of it is over, like, abortion, yeah. you know, where it's, like, it's just a single reason why they're voting is that, like, I would rather be, like, I'd rather abortion not exist even though that this will harm me and separate my family. Is that, like, is uh, abortion, is, are, are there a lot of pro-lifers in, uh, in the Middle Eastern community? Sorry to be, generalize and make you Latinos, but... I, no, I don't know per se. I feel like I'm not a person to really discuss like the statistics of this because mm. I really don't know. I well, don't I mean, know but I'm Catholic, so I know that overall, is is, is it like a Muslim, Muslim sh- principle? Are you guys pro-life in general? As a Muslim principle, I think in general, for sure, pro-life. I'm very much so like Catholics Okay. as well. Yeah. Well, let's not debate that. Yeah. And let's end there. <laughs> I, think <so>. yeah. <laughs> I think that would be a good place to end the conversation. You're my new best friend because you have things that are new to me. <laughs> so let's uh, let's hang out. Let's make a date sometime down the line. I'll hit you up. Uh, you're coming back, okay? Thank you. No problem. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye.